Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker, coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me is my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And today, our special guest is Alana Winter. Alana is based in New York. She's a coach, works with uh, CEOs. She facilitates leadership team stuff, does values, purpose, and direction. And, uh, man, she does some really interesting stuff. Welcome, Alana. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Rella. Delight to be with you both today. So I know one of the things that you focus in on when you work with CEOs and leadership teams is um, having difficult conversations. And, you know, as a leader, sometimes you get stuck with some really icky stuff. Help me understand what advice would you give to a leader when they, when they have to have a difficult conversation? You know, Lindsay, I, I look at things as being all related, right? And, and you're so right. As a leader, you definitely get stuck with sticky stuff. But as a human, you get stuck with sticky stuff all the time. And it is one of the number one things that I work with leaders on. And so I approach it from looking at, first of all, from having worked with thousands of leaders all around the world. I mean, I've worked with leaders everywhere from Abu Dhabi to Dar es Salaam to Akron, Ohio to Tel Aviv, right? People say, oh, but it's different here. No, it's kind of the same everywhere. And there are really three things that I've seen entrepreneurs struggle with. One is the people-pleasing gene. And people have this image outside that entrepreneurs are. Uh, just forceful and dynamic and ego-driven. But the reality is that so many are so struck by this people-pleasing gene of wanting to make everybody else happy around them, of having the need for external validation, the fear of disappointing others. Um, and, and that drives a certain kind of behavior. Another Another thing that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, and I say these because they're very related to why they have difficulty with these difficult conversations, is the need to be the hero, the need to come in and be the problem solver and save the day, be the rescuer, be the firefighter, etc. And the third thing is the need constantly to be the high achiever. Um, and to that also is part of external validation, always looking for whatever they've done, they look back and there's always a bigger mountain to climb. So how do all of these things tie into what makes it difficult to, to have these confrontational conversations? So we look at confrontational conversations and, and our fears are that, that they're going to spin out of control that people won't like us. Um, a lot of times, especially if we grow up in an environment that is a bit dismissive or a bit hypercritical, that also really contributes to our fear of these conversations. So I think that a number one thing is, is first to get really honest with yourself and to look around and see where these conversations are coming up and whether it's a conversation that 
you need to call someone to task who isn't there doing their job, or you need to fire someone, or you just on a personal level feel upset about something to, to really come to this quiet space where you can look and see what's happening and divorce yourself from the stories we make up. And I think that that's a super common problem that whenever we have conflict with someone, the issue is that we make up stories about their motivation. We make up stories about the way that they're going to react, about what they think about us, about what our role is. And we lose sight of the facts. We lose sight of the interpretations that we've made up and we are sure that they're true. So the first step is taking that moment to breathe and sitting back and looking at what's actually happening versus what we've made up. So, so you say that. So why? So, so the, the average entrepreneur is a control freak as well. As you said, you know, they, they're obsessed with this high achievement, being a control freak and all those things. And so is, is actually stepping out of themselves probably the biggest challenge is actually jumping up one level to sit on the top of the ladder, but without wanting to be on top of the ladder to beat up the people below them just to have a look. Yeah. You, you know, real, that's true. And, and I have to say that the, I, I'm hard-pressed, I was going to say the vast majority, but as I say that, I'm hard-pressed to think of one entrepreneur that I've worked with who doesn't have kind of control issues. <laughs> and the issue with that is that really leads to a lot of loneliness and depression. When you're trying to control everything, right? it's such separation from you and the people that are around you when you're trying to control everything in your circumstance. So, yeah, I think that the key is to step out of yourself for a moment and to see that. So you talked about um, be the hero uh, or people playing the hero. Um, what, what's the, I mean, I, could, I can see, you know, a hero. We need a hero at certain times, but what's the downside of playing the hero? Mm. Oh, my goodness. The downside of playing the hero is that when there's not somebody to save, you invent something. When there's not a problem to be solved, you invent a problem, right? If you're the firefighter uh -huh. and that's your identity, if there's no fire, you create one. So you can create a lot of chaos and you can disempower a lot of the people around you because you don't give them a chance to go in and solve the problems themselves. I mean, it, someone asked me the other day the difference between a mentor and a coach, and and I was trying to explain it to them. And and I and the, the analogy I used, and that follows on from what you said, was that a, you know, if you look at the coach of a football team, they're telling the team members what to do and where to be, whereas the mentor is is sort of stepping back and and actually letting people come to those conclusions themselves. And so, so you, you, you know, from what you're saying, the, the role of the CEO or the entrepreneur is to be that mentor rather than the coach in a lot of circumstances. Yeah, coach, the word coach is used in a lot of different contexts, right? So certainly in this sports analogy that, that you're bringing out in that circumstance, it is very much used in 
where I have someplace specific that I want you to go. And I am coaching you to get to where I believe you need to go. Right. When I'm working and I'm coaching CEOs, it's never, ever where I believe they want to go. It's all about uncovering and unlocking their potential and their happiness and their purpose and how they can make that shine. And essentially what I'm doing there is also not only coaching them, but pulling back the curtain and showing them the process for how I'm coaching them, because that's exactly how they need to be able to work with their teams also and speak to their teams. And yes, it is 100% being able to look at the people around you and rather than guiding where you want them to go, helping them discover their greatness. So do you think that that's underpinned by confidence, though? I mean, you know, if you're a newer leader, you may not be so confident to be able to do that, whereas maybe if you're more experienced, you've, you've done this a couple of times, it becomes easier? Hey, Lindsay, it's definitely underpinned by confidence. And it is so interesting. I have worked with, we were working with a CEO who was 29 and didn't have experience, but also working with a CEO, mid-40s, had already created two nine-figure companies, and still that confidence wasn't there. So sometimes it's a question of experience, and sometimes it's a question of time, and sometimes it's a question of having somebody help you unlock it. But yes, it's definitely, it's a question of, it's a confidence to be able to step out of your own ego and step out of your own way and step out of the need to be right, to care more about getting it right than about being right. Absolutely. And so that that confidence, I mean, there's a line, there's a line in my book that says sometimes in my years as an entrepreneur, I've mixed up the differences between confidence, overconfidence, and arrogance. Um, and we step over that line a lot. And, and I lo- I'd like to think as I've matured, it's changed a bit. You know, where, where, are, this, where are entrepreneurs? They, uh, the ones I'm seeing, a lot of them are still on that arrogance trip. They know better than everyone else. How, how do you work with people to get them off that arrogance trip? Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? Because the, even the word confidence, as we were describing it there, and I'm, I'm using confidence as the ability to let go of ego. I'm using confidence as the ability to let go of needing to be right, right? That being more concerned about getting it right than about being right. And that's where arrogance comes in. Arrogance is about needing to be right. And that's just really going to limit you because, again, that is such about putting up walls. And it's go- that, is det- that is absolutely destined to cause conflict with others and not get you the results that you're looking for. So, Alana, I, um, I reckon that a lot of times people don't listen enough. Do you think listening impacts our ability to deal with others and to handle uh, you know, a difficult conversation. I think sometimes people, um, you know, you talked about uh, uh, what's happening versus what's made up. And I think they listen for what they want to hear rather than what is the actual fact. What What's your thoughts around that? Lindsay, if you were in the room, I'd be giving you high fives right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, virtual high fives back to you. Virtual high fives. All right. Yes, that's it. People think about communication, about what they're going to say, but you hit the nail on the head. It is all about the way we listen. 
it's all about being willing to be totally present, letting go of any of the stories that we make up, being curious, right? We can't be curious and judge at the same time. We can't be curious and listen to the stories that we've made up at the same time. So it's about learning to listen. And, and, and it's tough because we get pulled in, we get caught up, we get triggered, right? You say something, it sets off patterns, it sets off all kinds of stuff. And it's about learning to hear that, recognize that, and come back to the present moment and come back to you and be willing to look at you with an attitude of assuming best intent. So, so what, what is it that, what is that, that golden moment for, for, for the entrepreneur where they go, I'm willing to be coached. What, huh. turn, what turns them there? And, 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 and I, it's personal experience, you know, for many years I was not coachable because I thought I knew better. Um, and I, and I still had struggled to try and identify what made me change my attitude to be coachable, you know? Yeah. You know, usually, and, and I will say this is unfortunate, but this is human nature. Usually it is a moment of pain where things get so bad and you're looking at so many things that are going wrong that you go, that you come to that recognition that something has to change. I wish with all my heart that it didn't have to get that bad that people and it's very rare but some there are some people that look at things and go okay i know i can get better and before things get bad come in for coaching but in general people prefer to buy aspirins than vitamins so they generally wait until the pain is really bad <laughs> yeah how true how true so um I know uh, people suffer from imposter syndrome at, at, at times. They they have all the skills, but they don't think they're good enough. Does that impact on on these difficult conversations? For sure. So imposter syndrome is is basically the inability to take in positive feedback. Right? There are so many situations where people have received all kinds of kudos, all kinds of accolades, and they still look in the mirror and feel like a total fraud. They feel like they're just waiting. This is a house of cards, and they're waiting for it all tumble down and wait for everybody to figure out that they're a fraud. So imagine if that is your mindset, imagine the fear that you would have around having any kind of difficult conversation or conflict when you believe that your success, your quote unquote success is just a fluke and just a luck at the moment. And you're just waiting for somebody to figure it out. You're kind of doing your best to hide when you're in that mindset. I mean, imposter syndrome has become almost the word of the last few years, like the the phrase, you know, until five years ago, I probably, you probably never heard it being bandied about except in psychiatrist rooms. And suddenly, you know, it's become the, the management buzzword. You know, what do people do to get out of their own way, you know, to, to actually understand that everybody has a unique story of their own to tell? You know, it's so interesting. When I talk to people who are not entrepreneurs or not super senior management, they've never heard of imposter syndrome. 
it only affects you when you get to a certain level, right? Little kids don't have imposter syndrome. Middle managers don't have imposter syndrome. It's really interesting. It only hits you when you've started to achieve at a certain level. Um, so what do people do to get out of their own way? There are several things. So for instance, with my coaching clients, a couple of the things that I give them to get out of that is keeping a journal every day at the end of every day. And no matter what the day is, at the end of every day, you have done something that was good, right? Whether it was not losing your temper with the barista that was super slow making your coffee or negotiating a $100 million deal, you've done something that was good every day. So at the end of every day, stopping for a second and recognizing whatever that was and asking yourself, what was the internal skill or characteristic that I tap into that let me do that in that moment? And how can I leverage more of that? And I promise you, if you do that every day for simply 30 days, it's like building up a bank account. And that is the way, because when you have imposter syndrome, it doesn't matter what kudos or accolades you get externally, you don't take them in. So when you do this and you learn, because we have to learn to be self-validated because if we're dependent on validation from the outside, we're giving somebody else the keys to our happiness. It has to come from the inside. So when you do this and you start to keep that running list every night of what did I tap into and how can I leverage more of that, that's the number one way to get rid of that. Alana, if you had to give three tips to a leader to be successful in their job as a CEO or a team leader, what, what would they be? You know, first, we have to define what their job is as a CEO, as a leader, right? And I think that that really varies. So I think that, first of all, the top things for a CEO and leader is setting the vision, being the chief inspiration officer, and, and being really responsible for the values and the culture of the organization, right? So to me, the, those are the three key jobs of a CEO or, and of a leader. So if you look at those, I think that we can't do for others what we can't do for ourselves. So if we look at that, creating the values and the culture, it's first getting real about who you are and what your values are and how you want to live. Because if that's fake and you're trying to just project something, it is completely going to show, right? And creating that vision is based on what those values are. So creating a super clear vision of what, what you believe matters in life and what the organization that you're leading, we want that to go. And the inspiration that you provide to others stems from those things. You can't inspire others without those, without that foundation. So, Elena, you you have on your on your LinkedIn profile, and I often use that as a window to people's views of the world. You said one of your core beliefs is the degree to which you are self-aware is the degree to which you can successfully scale your business. And how you know how does that how how does that play out for 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 the average person? Because you know we've spoken about this whole you know imposter syndrome and everything else. Does it all come down to self awareness at the end of the day? 
Yes. Yes. So, you know, you grew up, so you're a little, you're, you're born into the world. And for anybody that either has kids or has been around kids, you will see that kids in the first few months of life, if you, you know, you have more than one, you'll see different personalities in kids right from the start. Right. Whether, and Lindsay, I see you, right. You're shaking your head. So, right. Some kids are fearful. Some are super gregarious. Kids have personalities right from the start. The personality that you're born with, we can get into a whole conversation about epigenetics and et cetera, but we're not going to, but you see, you come into the world with this personality and that it's a lens that you see the world through. And through that lens, you interpret everything that's going on around you. And this is the start of the stories that I make up. This is the start of, oh, that person walked by me and didn't say hello, either means, oh, nobody loves me, I'm not lovable, or, oh, they must be really busy, or, oh, they must be on their way to the the food line, because Mary always knows where the good snacks are, so I'm going to follow her, right? The same thing happens, but we make up different stories about it based on what we were born into, what we were born with, and what we were born into, and, and all that stuff. So, being able to start to unpack all of that, unpack the social conditioning, unpack the stories, unpack and, and see the frame that we were born into. When you get to that level of awareness, you stop judging yourself. Only then can you stop judging everything that's going on around you, get really clear on who you are, why you're here, what the what your core values are, what the greatest value that you have to bring to the world, the value of the organization that you want to create, the impact you want to create in the world, only then can it be true and authentic. Otherwise, it's like this marketing speak and yep. nobody really buys up. Yeah, I, I heartily agree. And, you know, about the who you are and why you're here. And one of the reasons that I'm here is to keep time and we are out of time, Alana. So uh, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, what's the, what's the best way for them to do that? They can find me at my website, which is alanawinter.com, A-L-A-N-A, alanawinter.com. They can email me, which is alana at alanawinter.com. They can certainly find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram, any of the socials, but a direct email is great. I would love to hear from those. Excellent. Thank you, Alana, and a thank you to Lindsay Adams, my co-host. This is Rail Bricker signing off for another edition of the Business Excellence Podcast with a reminder to pop along to excellencepodcast.com where you can download a number of free resources to help you on your journey to excellence in both business and in life.